my first official job, and I mean official, like the government does, knows about, right? My first official job, I worked at an Italian restaurant in Corpus Christi, cleaning dishes. I made it one day. My next job, I worked at Whataburger in North Richland Hills for a few years when I was in high school. Uh, I learned how to talk to drunk people because everybody and their mama wants a taquito at 11 p.m. They do, just everybody. In college, I worked at a massive warehouse. I saw how management and multiple teams worked. Began to see like actually how things happen and things get done with multiple teams, multiple people. Uh, I enjoyed logistics. I enjoyed learning that. I enjoyed the, the melting pot of cultures that was in this one warehouse. I think about my, my uh, early jobs. Why I made it one day at cleaning dishes is because I bailed. I bailed because I had not picked up by any former shape, my father's, my dad's, uh, Protestant work ethic. My dad works hard, and he has worked hard his whole life, serving people, getting dirty with his hands, helping people, fixing people's cars, fixing everybody in their mama's houses. And I think about that and think, what changed? What grew? And I could, as thinking about this, see the things that, that the Lord did in me and changed me over time. But it, take, it took work to get better at work. But it does for all of us. And so that's what we're doing this morning. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, do, do you see a person skilled in his work? He will stand in the presence of kings. He will not stand in the presence of the unknown. Imagine getting the recognition of your boss. <laughs> Some of you guys feel like you're putting in the work and your boss doesn't see you, doesn't acknowledge what you are doing. But what about a king? What, a king, what about a king asking for your presence because of your work? Like, let me... Bring that person here. I've seen what they've done. I've seen how they work. I've seen what they create. I see how they accomplish this. Whatever it is, bring them here. I want to see them, but I want us to get on the right foot because work flows from Jesus. And so first, you've got to know Jesus is the skilled person at his work. Powerful prophet. Merciful healer. Wise sage. Perfect sacrifice. Risen king. <laughs> he finished the work. He lived and gave up his life to snatch you out of the kingdom of darkness and to bring you into his kingdom. So now, you not only stand in the presence of the king like Proverbs states, but your king looks joyfully on you as you work. Did you hear me? 
because of the king's work and what he's done for you, then you get to be pulled into his kingdom and then work in his presence. Colossians 3 puts it this way. Whatever you do, whatever work you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you'll receive the reward of inheritance from the Lord. If you haven't gotten it yet, you serve the Lord Christ. That's what he says. So you're not working for the Lord only if you're doing something church-related. I, I grew up in, in churches that like vocational ministry was like actually being a good Christian. If you work for the church, that, you're really a good Christian. Like you actually care about this stuff. No, no, no. We shouldn't discuss work like that as sacred or secular, but rather as workers who are sacred or secular. You can change oil and cars to the Lord. And your coworker next to you doing the same job, but not for God and not from God. That's a difference. That's a massive, completely, total difference. Do you hear me? Because all of life is worship, and work is a big part of that. If, if any estimation is kind of clear, if you work for 40 years over your life, we're talking about 80,000 to 100,000 hours. It's a lot of your life is work. And to not see it as a part of worship is to miss 80 to 100,000 hours of your life. Wise folks worship through their work. With joyful hearts, that's what Colossians is saying. With joyful hearts, they work for Jesus. Wise people know they're, they're not owners, they're stewards. Wise people know they're not masters, but servants to the king. Wise people understand that, that work is godly because God works. Genesis 2, 2, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. We love to speak of our God as a revealing God, a speaking God, but he's a worker. He does work. Look at his resume. There was nothing outside of him and then poof all this by his word he speaks it into existence our God works and, and you should know that yes there's the fall right but work and the command to work and to live as as God's vice regents, as his ambassadors throughout this world to rule and care for his creation as his good stewards. That's pre-fall. That, that's our life. 
And so I, I don't, I, I can't tell you everything that, that the new heavens and the new earth is going to look like, but I can't imagine a place where work isn't a part of paradise because our God works. But through the fall, our first parents not trusting the Lord, work is now cursed. It goes from work to what? Toil. <laughs> to toil. To difficulty. Now, now it's not, uh, now there's thorns, now there's bristles. Now there's brokenness between people. Now there's fight, now there's conflict. Now there's ugly ambition that steps on people to get ahead. The curse has made work toil. Wise people see this. See that, yeah, that's, that's a part of this. But wise people also know that we should rest from our work and we should work from our rest. Seventh day, God finished work they'd done and he rested. And then Exodus 31, 15 says, for six days work is to be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. We work because God works and we rest because God rests. And then he commands us to want to image him. To honor him. To hold him as, yes, he. I, I can actually take a day off this week. Why? Because I'm not running the cosmos. God is. So I can actually stop. I can stop spinning my wheels thinking everything is contingent upon me. And I always have to keep all 21 plates up in the air at the same time time if i stop if i take a break if i actually rest in the lord and don't do work they're all going to fall down and crumble my life's going to fall apart i'm sorry but it's not true we're just not that important he wouldn't command you to rest if everything's going to fall apart when you rest he's got it so we, we rest from our work, but then when we rest, you know what we're doing? The, the rhythm how God created with the night and the day, it's actually we rest to then prep to go to work. We work from our joy, our Sabbath, our rest in God, and then we go. Martin Luther says, your work, no matter what you do, is a very sacred matter. God delights in it, and through it he wants to bestow his blessings on you. This praise of work should be inscribed on all tools, on the forehead and faces that sweat from toiling. Now, we've been doing Psalms and Proverbs. This is the second time we've come to Proverbs. And Proverbs gives us wisdom, shows us how to work. I said it last month, I'll say it today. The, the book of Proverbs isn't a list of promises to cling to, but a a book of maxims that describe how the world typically works. The book paints the picture of the good life. And behind the good life is the belief that God made the world. And he made it work a certain way. So people who want to be wise embrace his design. Instead of warring against his design, they believe and enjoy that God knows what he's doing. So people who want to be wise embrace these Proverbs as 
wisdom from a loving father who's giving wisdom to his kids. Proverbs help us think. They help us decide. Wisdom helps us prioritize, helps us thrive. Now, Proverbs, I, I talked about work a little bit when we talked about money last week, last month. But I want to get it specific on this work, on how we work. Pro- Proverbs shows us that, that, that really teamwork does make the dream work. I know I can, I can visualize the 80s picture on that poster along with that saying, but it really is true. <laughs> Why? Because God works as a team. And you're right. If you're thinking about Father, Son, and Spirit, you're right. You've been around. We've talked about this. Working together. But also think about the, the team of angels. They're part of his crew that he commands, tells, works with. Think about his sons and daughters, us, as he partners with us and works with us. God works as a team. Now, not God, but us, we know that a mediocre team beats a world-class superstar. Charles Barkley, the great theologian. (laughs) Says that the best team will always win in a game seven series. And he's talking about talent. And he's proved wrong recently. Proved wrong recently. Why? Because a team with less talent was a good team. They worked together. They knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. They deferred to one another when they needed to. They helped one another. They had role players that stepped and said, I don't, I don't need the name. I don't need the 20 mil a year. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll hustle. I'll grind. I'll play defense. So when you're thinking about this wisdom, I want you to think these three things from Proverbs. Wise workers are humble. Wise workers are relationally smart. And wise workers are hungry. So think about a humble team player. A humble team player. How do you work? How do you work at your job? How do you work with your kids? How do you work wherever you work? We're talking about a team. So here's a humble team player. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Humility begins with being under authority before being in authority. That that if you're the person that can never respect your boss because X, Y, Z, if you're the person... That can never be under authority because you're always wanting to be in authority. I don't want you to be in authority. It begins as a team player saying, hey, the Lord rules all things. The Lord reigns. Not me. Not my thoughts. Not my desires. A humble team player, Proverbs 3.34 says, he mocks those who mock but gives grace to the humble. Humility admits the need for grace. 
says, I, I need Jesus and I need others. Proverbs 27, 18 says, Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and whoever looks after his master will be honored. What's a humble team, what does a humble team player look like? It works hard and honors leadership. Proverbs 11, a gracious woman gains honor, but violent people gain only riches. A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel person brings ruin on himself. This is not the kindness as in you're manipulating people to get something from them. This is when you're kind, you know what, that benefits you because it's going to come back and forth. But if you're going to be cruel, if you're going to be harsh in your work, towards your co-workers, to your, um, your employees, your customers, it can bring ruin. You guys know that. You ever been to a cafe and you have that, that, that snarky person wait on you? It's your first time there, and the menus were already sticky, and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to come back, and then that person shows up? Nope, okay. Proverbs 20, 23 says, <laughs> Proverbs 20, 23 says, differing weights are detestable to the Lord, and dishonest scales are unfair. Pride uses whatever means to make a profit. If you go back to a kind man benefiting himself, humility, pe humility counts people, considers people, and not just profit. But then here with this differing weights, we see that pride uses whatever means to make a profit because that's the thing. You'll step on, you'll lie, you'll cut corners. You'll do people dirty. You'll lie to them. Be dishonest. Pride uses whatever means to make a profit. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Humility acknowledges it needs others. You can always learn from others. Instead of walking out of that conference call, telling your having that sidebar conversation with your coworker about how that was such a terrible meeting, <clears throat> how you could do it better, you can still learn from that person. You can learn, and so in in the workplace. In our work, you need other people speaking into it. That idea, that dream, that vision, that plan, that execution. A wise person, a wise worker is a, a humble team player. But also they're a relationally smart team player. Proverbs 14 says, a wise person is cautious and turns from evil, but a fool is easily angered and is careless. A quick-tempered person acts foolishly, 
and one who schemes is hated. Your, your relationship with God, as we started with that fear of the Lord, your relationship with God relationally straightens out all your other relationships. So if, you, if you're wonky with your coworkers, with your customers, if you're wonky with those that you work with, let's begin with what's happening with me and the Lord? What's happening here? Because that, that peace, that joy from there then flows out to your relationships. Proverbs 19.26 says, The one who plunders his father and evicts his mother is a disgraceful and shameful son. How you treat your family, your relationship with your family really reveals your character. Now, you could do great at work, maybe, hiding, you know, treating people real nicely, fakely to get through it, but really how you treat your family, how are you take care of your father, how you consider your mother, reveals your character. And that character will play out in how you live and breathe and sweat and work. Proverbs 28.15 says, A wicked ruler over a helpless people is like a roaring lion or a charging bear. Wisdom says that our relationships should be based on God's kingdom, not the animal kingdom. I don't care what Joe Rogan has told you. You're, you're not an animal. With base desires that you say yes to, and you need to eat tough meat because you're an animal. You're a human stamped with the Imago Dei, the image of God. He breathed life into your lungs that you have the consciousness, the will, the heart to know him, to see him, to experience him, to have the capacity of heart to take in his love that is incomprehensible, but somehow we can pull that love into heart. We can feel that love, and that love fills us to bigger than we can even imagine. You're not an animal. Yeah. If you're an animal, if you think you're an animal, if you're going to rule like an animal, then yeah, you'll be a wicked ruler who treats people, who employs, is the boss of, like a roaring lion, a charging bear. Proverbs 11.13 says, A gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. I feel like I'm, all I can think of is like, I know where you guys work, but all I can think about is cubicles. I'm talking about the water cooler and, and the gossip of the water cooler. I don't know if it's 1992 in my mind or what, but that's all I can think of. And, but your, your relationships at work, your relationships need a vault where you can actually keep things in confidence. 
And you don't go and tell everyone, everyone else's stuff. You don't have to <laughs> snitch on everyone's mediocre work. Why? Just so that you can be talking, just so that you can get some attention, just so that you can feel better that you're doing good and this person will agree with you that you're doing good and you're doing better than that person. That feels good. And gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. Proverbs 28-23 says, this is the NLT, in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. In the end. That's helpful because sometimes we think, yeah, that flattery gets immediate results, but in the end, real relationships, I'd much rather have honest criticism. Your, one person said your relationships are to be mirrors, not carnival mirrors. <laughs> Meaning where you twist and turn it, where you inflate or emphasize all of their beauties and all their things say hey look how amazing you are and then you twist it in a way where you can't see all the the realness the blemishes the defects proverbs fifteen eighteen. i did this last time you still with me this is different right we're not walking through a passage we're essentially just sitting on top of a hill with our legs crossed listening to a wise sage saying, this is how we're to work. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms strife. Your, your relationships need air conditioning. <laughs> need something to cool you down. It's hard to work with a hot-tempered person. It's hard to continue to work with. Why? It just stirs up conflict. Something's going to happen. Someone's going to fight. Someone's going to get cross at each other. Proverbs 17, 14. A relationally smart team player. To start a conflict is to release a flood. Stop the dispute before it breaks out. That's the imagery of a dam. Is when you start a conflict, when you pick a fight, you're wanting this dam to break and all of the flood to go and flow downstream into other relationships. Because that's what it does. Stirring up conflict, letting the dam break, does it never stays between you and one person. It's going to flow. It's going to involve others. It's going to turn to something else with another person. So a wise person says, let's, let's, let's uh, stop this before it breaks out. So a wise worker is humble a humble team player, a relationally smart team player, and a hungry team player. Proverbs 16, 26 says a worker's appetite works for him because his hunger urges him on, drives him. That, that means hungry people start their own engine, right? That, that's the imagery we talked about last week of like, look at the ant. <laughs> that's what a sage does. 
Have you guys ever thought about ants? Have you looked at them? Have you watched them? I have closely. I've observed. That's what he's saying. Look at the sloth. One needs someone to constantly pat them to get moving. The ant wakes up, starts their engine, gets it done. Proverbs 10.4, idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. Hungry people are hardworking. Proverbs 14.23, there is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. Hungry people know actions speak louder. You, you can chat about what you've done. You can chat about, chat about what you're going to do, but it's time to do work now. Flapping your gums only leads to poverty. It's time to do work. Proverbs 28, 19. The one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. A faithful person will have many blessings, but one in a hurry to get rich will not go unpunished. It's not good to show partiality. Yet even a courageous person may sin for a piece of bread. A greedy one is in a hurry for wealth. He doesn't know that poverty will come to him. Hungry people can spot a mirage. Can spot, that's a fantasy. Hungry people say, oh no, that's, that's trying to pull me from what I'm doing, what I'm called to do, what God has put me here for. And spot, oh that's a mirage. That's not real. That's, that's a couple of fake palm trees in the desert. Proverbs 26, the last one. The slacker says there's a lion in the road, a lion in the public square. A door turns on its hinges and a slacker on his bed. That's how the, li- that's how the world works. That door opens and turns on its hinges, and a slacker turns on his bed. Unhungry, so I've said hungry people, hungry people, hungry people, but unhungry people make excuses and couch imprints. That's what they make. Because there's not a line in the road, that's just the excuse. Always have something. There's this going on, there's this. What about this? I, I can't go to work today, I got this. I can't really go hard, I can't work hard, I, I got this. Now, I want you to return to where we began on the right foot. Consider Jesus' life. Humble, team player, relationally smart, hungry. Told people at one time, I can't, I got to go preach. I got to do this. I got to do what God called me to do. one point in his ministry the Bible says he turned his face to Jerusalem with this direction with this intensity with this passion with this focus of this is where I'm going he was hungry hungry to do God's will hungry to finish the work so 
So if you've been foolish or sinful or rebellious or lazy, that's why Jesus put in work. is to forgive you. is to forgive you by his grace for your failure in work for being a unhumble solo player from being a use people to get what I want player to a lazy don't really care need a micromanager over my shoulder player to to a person who's forgiven by Jesus and then empowered by his grace to follow him in wise work. Everyone's got choices. That's what Proverbs lets us see. And here's your choice of, are you going to turn to the wise, skilled laborer, Jesus, for forgiveness, for grace, for grace to turn and go the wise path? Your work really matters. It is sacred, as Martin Luther said. It is the bulk of your life. To whose end are you going to serve? Whatever you do, from the heart, not to men, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we, we ask for wisdom because we lack it. We ask for wisdom with work. We ask for wisdom in relationships. And then we also, we ask you that we would turn, that we would make wise, godly choices, that we'd work humbly with others for your glory. For the good of this world and the one to come, would you make us wise workers? By your grace. By your grace, Lord. Amen.